The Edge of the World Art Studio is proud to present Helen of the Iron Horse, written by Paris Danielle Lee. Artwork by Helen Rachel Lee. Music by Fish Zombie the Onions. And special thanks to Spooky the Cat for her contributions, fuzzy as they might be. Chapter 83 An Angel in the Amazon 1883, February 24th The Walker Farm, Denver, Colorado Angelica knocked on the front door of the Walker Farmhouse. From inside, she heard Lone call out, Just come around to the back door. Everybody dies. I'm sorry? Angelica yelled from the front porch. Is this the Amazon? Three days earlier, Henry had given Angelica ten dollars. He made her promise not to tell Luke they needed her in Denver. So he gave her an address and told her she was looking for the Amazon. She packed her things, borrowed Colin's horse, and rode out to the Golden Apple Ranch. She told Luke what Henry had paid her to do. Luke paid her twenty dollars to tell him everything when she gets back. Eloni came to the door. She opened it to see a dark-haired, tan-skinned girl waiting. This is the Amazon, but you don't have to be so formal. Come on in. She led her through the sitting room to the kitchen. Please, have a seat. Have you eaten? Would you like some coffee? Coffee would be nice. And no, I haven't eaten. What's your name? I'm Angelica. I'm looking for Colin and Anna. Mm. You're not here to become an Amazon? No. Colin sent for me. I'm Anna's sparring partner. Oh, well, they're in the barn. But I'm not letting you go until you have some breakfast. You can bring your horse around and Cassandra will take care of it. She's in the barn with the whiskey girl. Whiskey girl? Oh, that's what we call Anna around here. It just fits her better, somehow. Why, what do you call her? Me? <laughs> I call her Peradora. Peradora? That's beautiful. Is it Spanish? Yes, it is. What does it mean? It means I am gonna kick her ass. Oh, well, if you could do that, then you'll fit in here perfectly. Elone smiled and served her coffee, biscuits and gravy with sausage and fried potatoes. Orpheus walked through the lobby of the hotel. He was staying away from the Amazon. He didn't want anyone to make a connection that he and Paris knew each other. The Amazons understood he was her father, but they also understood that it was a secret. It reminded him of the days he used to have to stay away from Colin. Time moves on, he thought. The scam stays the same. Florence was waiting for him in the cafe, just outside the lobby doors. It served only breakfast to those people who were staying at the hotel. Florence arranged for his room and came by to check on him, show him the town and... Be sure he had a good dinner. Sometimes he even went to dine with her at her home. Good morning, Florence, Orpheus said as he sat down. Do call me Mistress Cook, she said. I apologize, but I spent half my life calling anyone who was just simply older than me, Master. When I came here to America, I learned what that really meant. I have sworn to never call anyone by that name again. It's respectful. I have no Master. And I'm happy to call you my friend, as long as we understand each other. I am not better than you, and you are not better than me. You can call me Lee. <laughs> okay, Lee. I concede. You may call me Florence, but don't let anyone else do it. She took a sip of her coffee and waved to a waiter to come by and take Orpheus's order. Please, 
Be sure to order anything you like. Florence insisted. The waiter rushed over and stood silently. I'll have coffee, some fruit and cheese, and one of those croissants. Yes, sir. And for you, mistress? The waiter bowed as he asked. Just the fruit, and refresh my tea, Florence ordered. The waiter bowed again and rushed off towards the kitchen. How is Anna doing? Orpheus asked. So far, her and your friend Colin have been training every day. He's got Cassandra working for him as a sparring partner, but he said he's sent for someone else. Someone else? Hmm, some Mexican girl. Angelica. Interesting. That should help. Are you really hoping she'll beat you? I am. Then why not just throw the match? That won't teach her anything. She has to earn this one. If she doesn't, I know it will light a fire under her, and she won't stop until one day she does. If she does, then I will know I have taught her everything I can, and I will trust her to find her own path without my interference. <laughs> I wish my father had been like you. What was he like? He knew what he wanted me to be, and he held the family fortune over my head, forcing me to become something I'm not. After he passed, it gave me a little breathing room. I still have to live out the life he put me in, but I've found a way to expand myself. I steal little pieces and moments of who I truly want to be. A uh, mistress? <laughs> no. But I traded my happiness and my chance at love for his money. I might as well use it, and keeping control allows me to move about unquestioned. Making people call me mistress forces them to remember that I must be obeyed. Don't ask why. Don't hesitate. And if you find something out you shouldn't, don't tell anyone. Or what? <sighs> or nothing. <laughs> there needn't be any threat beyond a vague notion of punishment. For most people, that's enough. For most people? <laughs> For most people. For some people, they just want to be punished, and then I have to get creative. The waiter returned, setting plates of food, coffee, and tea in front of them. He said nothing as he worked, and they waited for him to leave. Florence looked up. A man stepped over to their table. He was well-dressed, coat, vest, shirt, all pressed and clean. There was a gold-watched chain hanging across one pocket to another. His hat had a leather band around it with a golden buckle. Set at its center was a turquoise stone carved with a picture of a wolf paw. Mistress Cook, he said as he removed his hat and gave a slight bow. <laughs> William, you're late. Please have a seat. Lee, this is William. William owns this restaurant and the bar that Celia used to run. She called it the Amazon. Mm, what do you call it now, William? It's closed currently. We are redecorating. Is this the Colorado kid? He seems a little small. <laughs> this is he, but don't underestimate his size. You thought hiring some big muscle-bound gorilla would work against the whiskey girl. But maybe it's best if she fights someone more like her. You're a professional? William asked. I am, Orpheus replied. William, please tell us. What do you think of the whiskey girl? She's a degenerate, a sexual deviant, and a thief. The idea of her being the Denver City boxing champion is an insult to everyone in this city. I'm glad to see I'm not the only one who wants to do something about this. If you can beat her, I will happily support any other fights you want to promote. You're a fight promoter? asked Orpheus. No, I'm a businessman. I run a series of restaurants and markets, but I can see opportunity when it comes and take advantage of it. 
If you beat that criminal, then you will have sparked the interest of the entire city, and I would be happy to find a way for us to make a profit off of it. Is she a criminal? What crime has she committed? Murder. Everyone knows she killed that mousy woman's husband, said William. Alone's husband, asked Orpheus. That's the rumor. The Amazons claim Thomas left town to visit family in St. Louis, Florence replied. It's more than a rumor. Thomas disappeared the night he fought the whiskey girl. He was not seen at the train station. His clothes and what few bags he had were still in his hotel room he was renting. He did not check out. The next day, the whiskey girl was arrested for having rigged the match. The only evidence was Thomas's confession, but because of his convenient disappearance, the sheriff was forced to let her free on lack of evidence. And because he couldn't beat her in the ring either, Florence added. The evidence is all there, except that no one can find his body. If we had that, then the sheriff could arrest her. Maybe they can't find him because he's in St. Louis, Orpheus asked. He's not. I've sent detectives to talk to his family. He never arrived, and they never heard he was coming. She did something with that body, and if we find it, she will hang. And you think if I can beat her, that will solve all your problems? She's not Robin Hood, and we cannot allow her to pretend to be some sort of local hero. Removing the Whiskey Girl is the beginning. As soon as the Amazons lose their Lancelot, they will be vulnerable. Then it's just a matter of dismantling the rest of their organization piece by piece. So Lee, if there's anything you need, money, a gym to work out in, a manager and a sparring partner to help you train, I have all of that waiting. You just have to ask. I see. I don't think that will be necessary. Florence has already offered me the use of her gymnasium, and her butler is a surprisingly proficient pugilist. Well, you have my support anyways. There are many people in the city who want to help you. The Amazons are dangerous. They upset the natural order of society. They encourage rebellion and deviance in our children, especially the young girls. Women have their place. It's in the home with their husbands. Anything else upsets and threatens to erode this great nation. Women are wearing men's clothes, for God's sakes. We can't allow these satanic ideals to fester and grow. This must be cut out by force if necessary. This movement will end here. I can see you're a man of conviction. And I don't think I could have put the situation quite like that if I were to have tried to put my finger on the problem. I know what I must do now. Thank you for coming by and explaining this to me. Orpheus got up from the table, his meal only half finished. Florence, thank you for arranging this meeting. I understand. I'm going to the gymnasium you provided. I think it's time I trained. I would hate to disappoint. He turned and left the two sitting at the table. Angelica entered the barn. She walked quietly. Paris was in the ring sparring with Cassandra. Colin was on the apron shouting out instructions. Thalia sat on a hay bale watching. Angelica snuck up behind Thalia and sat next to her. Thalia looked over at her. She was wearing a white-flowered blouse with no corset, and her hair fell in waves down her back. She had on a long ruffled skirt. It was colorful. She began pulling up her hair and tying it into braids. Here, can I help? Thalia asked, turning to Angelica. Yes. Thank you, Hermosa. Angelica said as she let go of her hair and let Thalia braid it. When she was done, Angelica stood, removed her skirt, and handed it to Thalia. Underneath, she had on a pair of slacks cut off just above the knees. She took off her blouse to show she was wearing a men's vest tight against her chest. She kicked off her shoes. 
She smiled at Thalia, and then turned to the ring and yelled, Why don't you pick on someone your own size, Peradora? Paris and Cassandra stopped. They turned to see Angelica standing outside the ring. Paris ran for the edge and slid under the bottom rope. Reaching Angelica, she threw her arms around her and hugged her. Angel, what are you doing here? I'm here to kick your ass, that's what, Angelica replied. Anna, who's this? Valya stood up and tried to pull Paris away. This is Angelica. We've known each other since we were five, Paris explained. It doesn't answer the question. Who is she to you? Valya stomped her foot. Yes, Peradora. Please explain to the pretty girl exactly who I am. Angelica put her arm around Paris's shoulder, holding her close, and pulling her away from Thalia. That's not funny. Thalia, there is nothing to be jealous about. Angel is my sparring partner. She's my brother Poe's girlfriend. Paris explained. There's never been anything between the two of you? Only boxing gloves, Angelica admitted. Angel, this is my girlfriend Thalia. Oh, I figured that out. Who's the little version of you up in the ring? That's Cassandra. She's my assistant. And not a bad sparring partner, either. Better than me? This isn't about the two of you. We don't need to waste time having you fight each other. How did you know where to find me? Colin sent for me. Didn't you, big guy? Jelly, good to see you. Get in the ring. All right. No sense in wasting time. Let's do this, whiskey girl. Oh, <laughs> you heard about that. Would you prefer Peradora? You can't call me that until you've earned it. Then let's get in the ring. Let's go. Paris jumped into the ring and held the ropes for Angelica. Cassandra slipped out to sit next to Thalia. Do you need a glass of water? Thalia asked. Yes. And a nap. Cassandra answered as she collapsed onto the hay bale. All right, Angel. Same rules as always? Paris asked. No rules, then. Angelica smiled. Just like back home, Paris said, then rushed in, punching left and right. Angelica sidestepped all of the attacks. She countered with a snap kick, barely missing Paris. Paris slipped under, spinning. She swept the floor with a kick to Angelica's foot. Angelica jumped, and Paris missed. They continued like this for a while. Punch, miss, counter. Neither of them gaining ground, neither of them letting up until Angelica grabbed Paris's wrist and spun her around. Paris slipped a leg behind Angelica's knee and tripped her. Angelica wrapped her legs around Paris and pulled her down on top of her. The two girls rolled on the ground for position, each grabbing, then slipping out. Angelica got on top of Paris, pulling her hands around her back, but Paris got her feet under her and stood, jumping in the air and slamming Angelica to the floor. Both girls rolled off each other, and stared up at the barn ceiling, trying to catch their breath. Do you concede? Paris asked, while panting, laying flat on the floor of the ring. Why should... I concede. It's you that can't continue. Angelica replied. Then get up. Claim victory. Paris told her. You get up, and I will concede. Angelica answered her back. Okay, fine. I'll do all the work. Paris rolled over onto her front, then pushed her hands up until she was in a kneeling position. Angelica reached out, grabbed Paris's hand, and pulled it. Paris fell flat on her face. 
Damn it, Angel. That's not funny. Paris said, laying face down. It's pretty funny from here. Angelica laying still, looking up at the ceiling. Paris once again began to crawl to her feet. Angelica rolled over, grabbed the ropes, and then used them to climb up. The two girls, now back on their feet, faced each other. Stop! Colin ordered. We're going to declare this one a tie, and both of you are going to take ten minutes. Why? Is that all you got, whiskey girl? Angelica teased. No, I got more. I got lots more. Paris claimed. Care to put a wager on it? All right. What's the bet? If I win, I get to spend the night with your girlfriend. Hell no! And you don't like girls anyways. All right, then. One kiss, Angelica said, as she turned to Thalia. What do you say, Hermosa? Do you have a kiss for the victor? Angelica asked her, then winked. Thalia understood. Angelica was trying to push Paris further. I'll do it. It sounds so chivalrous. Like a princess at a jousting match. One kiss to the victor, Thalia smiled. Thalia! (laughs) Now who's being jealous? Thalia teased. Better win, whiskey girl. Prove to me you love me. Remember, Peridora. Stay calm. See the path. Angelica teased. Paris once again flew at her fists everywhere. Angelica circled backwards, staying one step ahead. They punched, dodged, and kicked. Paris's face grew red with anger, as Angelica laughed each time a punch missed. Remember, you've always fought with your speed. Now you need to fight with your strength. The one advantage you have over your father. You're taller than he is. Use your reach. You're stronger than he is. Use your strength. Put all your weight into your punch. As long as you don't miss, you won't be knocked off balance. Colin instructed from outside the ring. Paris did what her brother would have done. She stood still and let Angelica hit her. But as the hit struck, she grabbed Angelica's wrist, holding her close, and then punched her as hard as she could. Angelica could not dodge away, and the punch struck her across the jaw. Angelica brought up her knee, striking Paris on the stomach and pushing her back. Paris let go of her wrist, but then charged forward, kicking her in the chest. Angelica staggered backwards, hitting the ropes. Paris slammed her shoulder into her, picked her up, and then threw her out of the ring. Paris stood in the ring, panting, trying to calm down. She didn't move again until she heard Angelica laughing from the floor of the barn. <laughs> Damn it, whiskey girl. Where the fuck has that been all this time? I am so sorry. Are you okay? Paris, coming back to herself, flipped out of the ring to find Angelica lying on the ground. Fuck, kid. Have you never lost your temper in the ring before? Asked Colin. I'm supposed to stay calm. Why? Because that's what your dad told you? Colin asked. I tell you what, kid. You want to beat him? You may need to use everything you have. You're going to have to unleash that little demon you got in you. Colin? Paris asked. That's enough for now. I think we all need a break. Let's go get something to eat and we'll talk about this. Paris held her hand out for Angelica and Angelica took it. She pulled her up and put her arms around her as they walked together. Thalia waited for them. You were both amazing, Thalia commented. And you both deserve a kiss. She leaned forward and kissed Paris first. Then, shifting over, she kissed Angelica on the lips. Then, one more kiss for Paris. 
Balia took Angelica by the hand and looked into her eyes. You are a true friend to my true love. If there's ever anything I can do for you, all you have to do is ask. Balia? Paris asked. Oh, not that. Well, if you want that, I can find some other girl and we can arrange that, but we shouldn't do that. Thalia flushed. That's okay, Hermosa. I got my sights set on her brother. It's the guitar, you know? That boy can play the guitar and it just makes me melt. You should hear it sometime. Oh, I hope to. Come on, let me show you the Amazon. Thalia took Angelica by the hand and led her out of the barn. Paris pulled Cassandra up from the hay bale. How you doing, Cassie? Paris asked. I'll survive. But remind me not to piss you off before a match. Orpheus sat at the harpsichord in the drawing room of the mayor's mansion. He played a slow, sorrowful tune on the high-pitched and normally upbeat instrument. Three maids and a doorman lingered nearby to listen. But as Florence entered, they all scattered in different directions. That's beautiful, but it's not exactly training for a fight, Florence smiled at him. It clears my mind and helps me think. And after that breakfast, I have a lot to think about. Who was that man? Orpheus asked as he stopped and turned to Florence. Florence sat down in the chair next to the harpsichord before she spoke. <sighs> that was William, Celia's ex-fiancé, and the owner of the bar where this all began. He also happens to be the man who stole Pollyanna's restaurant. I wanted you to meet him because I wanted you to know what the Amazons are up against, what your daughter has been fighting for, and who she has been fighting. Did she really kill Alone's husband? No, she won't say. If you ask her or any of the Amazons, the story is he went to St. Louis. But the thing is, they all say it, as if they've been told to say it. If you want to know the truth, you may have to ask her directly. I do know this, though. The first and only time she met William, if Celia hadn't stopped her, she would have killed him. I wouldn't have blamed her. Luke taught her well, and if she killed Thomas, it's because... He threatened someone she loves. I trust her, so there's no need to ask about Thomas. Celia started a war between the women of the Amazon and the men who control Denver. She wants to change things, and I've decided to help her. With my connections, as the mayor's wife, I often hear what they're going to do next, and I can help the Amazons counter it. I've already stopped them from taking Alone's farm from her, and I tipped Cassandra off about the city council meeting. I taught Anna to fight. Luke taught her to shoot. Whether we like it or not, we understood. We raised a soldier. It was only a matter of time until she found her war. Or her war found her. I can't throw the match. I don't want to take anything from her, and I don't want that monster to win. But she has to prove to me this is what she wants. She's going to have to fight me for the right to stay in this war, or I will take her home. I want her to be safe, and it frightens me to see people so determined to bring her down. But I believe in what she's fighting for. It's what Henry wanted. It's the same reason I fought when I was her age. What am I supposed to do? Tell her she can't be me? Tell her how dangerous it was what I did? Tell her how many times I was almost killed if it hadn't been for Colin, if it hadn't been for Luke? She needs the opportunity to build a paradise of her own. I can't build it for her. So it comes down to her desire. 
If she beats me, she can stay. If she loses, I will take her home. This has been Helen of the Iron Horse, written by Paris Lee. Artwork by Helen Lee. Performed by Helen and Paris. All characters within are fictional and bear no intentional resemblance to anyone living or dead. Except, I guess, for Helen and Paris. See more of our work at edgeoftheworldart.com. If you would like to comment on the show or ask any question, please email us at helenoftheironhorse at gmail.com. The proceeding was made with the love and encouragement of all of our friends at the LA LGBT Center's Trans Lounge. Thank you.